0: Friends, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast. John and Alan in the studio here in the week of October 3rd, 2022. (laughs) I just need to say those dates again, everybody. 2022. Wild. I bet Abraham did not think that we would get to 2022. I know Paul didn't think that.
1: I think you're right.
0: We are... Ending this week, our series on healing rhythms, sacred rhythms, and we're going to take a moment to pause and release everything because our earnest desire is that as you are all coming in from all over the place, you're driving in your car, you're at the gym.
1: Car repair.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Just got sitting, back from, right? sitting at the shop. Yeah. Right. You got your headphones on and all of us, what we need is God. We need God. So we're going to pause and we're going to say, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you right now. And then name it, friends. Just take a few moments. I give everyone and everything to you so that I can be present to you. I want to receive you. And we pray, Jesus, that you would restore our union, restore our union. Holy Spirit, come to us today, where we each are, as we listen to this, make it a sacred space around us, surround us with the kingdom of God, and meet me, meet me here today, Jesus. Strengthen my life in you. I pray to be rooted more deeply in God, and in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, gang, um, we promise we are moving on (laughs) next week. (laughs) We are moving on uh, to some new series and some new things I think you'll enjoy this fall. But I was compelled to do this series and to make it Longer than just a one pass, two pass. Hey, here's some thoughts, everybody.
1: Yes. So I just want to ask you, John, why did you feel compelled? Why the series? Why five parts? Why now?
0: I am compelled. I think people can tell that. You know this as a parent. You have teenagers and young adults that you are parenting now. And there is this really difficult balancing act between... Letting them make mistakes, mm. but not letting them make too big of a mistake. <laughs> right. Right? As you totally. sent a son off to another city to begin a life, as you sent a daughter off to college. Right. And and how do
1: you put some type of guardrail in place, but still give them the runway to take off? Uh, you've described it to me, John, before, as this season in a child's life is a test flight. So it's not everything that's at stake every moment, but you have to let them be free enough to fly and also put some boundaries in place where they don't fly off the edge of the universe either, if you can help. Oh,
0: it's so hard. This is the dilemma of every parent because every, every adult knows. That most of the serious lessons of your life you learn through your mistakes, mm-hmm. right? That right. wisdom largely comes by burning your hand on the stove, right? Right, by backing your car into the into the street post, by yeah, driving right. too fast on the ice. But that that that, that you know it, exactly. Wisdom mostly comes through our mistakes. But as a parent, you also have this enormous amount of love and compassion for your children. You're like, yes, but not, not too big. Like, Well, you want to
1: save them the pain if yeah. you can yeah. while realizing it's the pain that's going to... It, there it is. You know?
0: And I don't know what yeah. to do with that, Alan, yeah. because, because the honest truth is, I think that most of the folks listening to this are saying, wow, super helpful, and very little has changed. I think that those who are like, O-M-G, you are describing the fundamental need of my life. Thank you. Have done, they've gotten there through car wrecks, through pain, through failures, disasters, bad choices,
1: right? I did. Yeah, Yeah.
0: so it's really difficult. Why why am I compelled? It's because as a father to many, I'm trying to navigate that, that difficult place of letting people come, letting people learn <laughs> the realities, that, that God has rigged the human soul in such a way. The human being, literally, your body, soul, and spirit will fall apart without him. It will deconstruct. It, it will collapse. I'm aware of that but i don't think any amount of urging is going to convince people you, well to the, change their rule of life their current rule of life
1: yeah i to me the most helpful part in the series was where you have led us through exercises where we watch you listen to you step in with you like to me it's it's the one thing to hear about something but when you start practicing it, you see the results. You taste the difference.
0: Yes, you taste the difference.
1: And um, that's what the series has has done for me is it's given me a chance to go, I'm not just hearing why I should. I'm actually trying it, and by trying it, I'm seeing right on. the impact.
0: Right on. Okay. All right. Well, then in the spirit of that, we hadn't planned on doing this, but the recording was running when we came into the studio And I was fried, gang. I've had a crazy day. I I had a series of important meetings, all back to back. But then in the middle of that, I had a two-hour interview, which was wonderful, but it was exhausting. And so here is how I prayed when we got into the studio and sat down. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I come into this just fried from the day, and I don't want to be in that place, and I certainly don't want to do this from that place. So, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I release, I release the day, I release those meetings I release every one. I release the exhausting two-hour interview. I release it. I release it. I come back to you, God. I love you. I treasure you above all things. I turn to you, God. I am turning to you. We pray that the blood of Christ would cleanse us. We bring the cleansing blood of Christ through the studio, through our equipment, through the atmosphere. We command the kingdom of God to fill this place. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, fill us, restore us, repair our union, and fill this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, you wanted an example. (laughs) There's the example. Um, I wanna come back to why. Why am I compelled at this hour uh, in 2022? Why am I compelled about everything we've been talking about? For two things, Alan. First, I was remembering today the last conversation I ever had with Dallas Willard. And we had really begun to take off. This was many, many years ago. And I don't want to give a wrong impression. I did not have a close personal relationship with Dallas. We we were acquaintances. We did a couple different things together, but I, I'm not his friend. I wasn't his friend. So I, I don't want to give that wrong impression. But I, I was on a phone call with Dallas because the the ministry was really exploding and, and our, our influence was really growing and I just needed some wisdom. And the, at the end of the conversation, I asked Alice, what should I do with this influence? What should I do with this growing audience? And he said, please teach your people how to live in the kingdom of God. Mm. So that's what That's what we try and do here, whether it's a podcast on listening prayer or it's a podcast on parenting, you know, it's a podcast on the fourth quarter of your life and how to look at changing seasons. Yeah. All of this is in the context of how do we live a Jesus life? How do we live life with Jesus in his kingdom in the current moment, right? So that's why we talk a lot about our hour and what we think is going on, you know, on the earth. Okay. So a couple years ago, we before the pandemic hit, we came out pretty publicly on the podcast and said, look, our spiritual radar is going off and we just got to tell everybody that the enemy has released hatred and death into the world in a, in a higher level, in a new way. Obviously, it's always been part of his campaign, but we just had a sense, holy cow, there's hatred, there's conflict, there's acrimony strife, but we're also sensing death, not just physical death, although Colorado Springs was the teenage suicide capital of the United States for a couple of years. But we were sensing the end of things, death as the end of things, the end of marriages, the end of ministries, the end of dreams, that kind of thing. And then, right, at about four months after we said that, the pandemic rolls through town. And it was so much acrimony. So much hatred. I mean, you tried to talk to somebody about vaccines. Oh, my gosh. You still can't. No. Right? And you want to talk to somebody about masks? You want to talk to... Yeah, like, holy cow. So, the hatred was just over the top. You know, the 2020 presidential election in the U.S. was unbelievable. And there's every reason to believe the next one's going to be pretty awful as well. But but then death as the end of things, right? So much small businesses shut down, schools shut down, da, 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 you know, churches still haven't recovered their attendance. Right. Okay, so why am I saying that? Because gang, it was about a year ago, I picked up a podcast series, a long uh, history podcast series on the second world war in the South Pacific. And I was, I was really, I felt, Jesus say to me, you need you need to look at this historical event because there are critical lessons here. Mm. And for you history buffs, if you follow World War II and and if you're familiar with the war in the South Pacific with Japan, it is towards the end of the war, you know, from Palau to Saipan, Tinian, like the, these island battles are are beyond. Human comprehension. They are so fricking heinous. And there's there's savagery on both sides, but there was unbelievable savagery on, on behalf of the soldiers serving the country of Japan. And this is where, like, you've heard the famous kamikaze pilots, you know, yes. flying their planes into ships and the bonsai charges. I mean, they, they would send thousands of unarmed soldiers carrying bamboo spears rushing into the machine guns. There was an insanity Hmm. that had seized the war at that point. And Jesus was saying, look, pay very, very careful attention to this. Wars end violently. It gets worse before it gets better. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I was talking to a kind of a spiritual warfare expert recently, and he said, oh, yeah, he's not interested in stealing anymore. All it is now is kill and destroy. Okay, so we are aware of a new level of what i would call decreation that the enemy is just willing upon the human race and we could spend a whole podcast series on this but let me just give a couple of examples because what we're talking about is a life deeply rooted in god <laughs> okay that's where we're going today but if you look at like the collapse of mental health At least in the developed world, in the highly developed world, it's just been extraordinary over the past several years. You know, universities started reporting that their mental health services were overwhelmed within the first month of a new school year. Okay, and, and then, you know, all the data we've been giving, you can't find a therapist with an opening right now. You, long wait lists. you know, New York Times ran an article on this. So you, you see that, you, you see it in gender. We're at, a, we're at a point in time now of just the total collapse of gender. I mean, Alan, you think back to like the gender debates of the 80s or, or even like the feminism of the 70s. Right. It feels it's, fairly tame. Totally. And the the truth is, it's absolutely heartbreaking. The search for identity, the, the search for personhood. I get it. I understand people are trying to figure this out, but they don't realize they're figuring this out at the end of a massive war. And so the assault on gender, you start taking gender apart, you literally are at creation. We're back in Genesis chapter one. They are taking apart humanity. Taking apart the imago day. So that would be one. But the physical collapse of the human race, there's a fascinating thing going on with like gut health. And I'm kind of a nutrition guy and I'm in that, you know, holistic world, nutrition world. But there's this fascinating thing people, the number of food allergies that people are showing up with now, and it's because of chemical additives and then the connection they're beginning to make between the amount of toxins in the environment and the amount of toxins in the soil, in our food, and the rise of not just food allergies, but cancer, autoimmune collapse. You know, when people's immune system starts turning on itself, decreation Wow. Okay, so this, I'm just trying to yeah. paint a picture as lovingly as I can, because I don't wanna walk into a crowded theater and yell fire, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I wanna say, folks, folks. You are living at the end of a very serious war. And the enemy's plan right now, he didn't care about stealing anymore. This is only destroy. This is the last move of decreation. What is your hope? Your hope is the presence of the living God. Yes. Inside your being, in your humanity. That's why I wanted to do this series. That's why we keep circling back around to it, you know, from different angles, through the last couple years, even. So I want to just, I want to say, at this moment in time, our only hope, but it is our joy, our happiness, is a richer, fuller experience of God, both with us but especially within us. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is interpreting the parable of the sower and the seed, which is really kind because he doesn't interpret all of his parables. He doesn't interpret some of the really troubling ones like the 10 bridesmaids, but he does interpret this one. And what he admits in this it's really pretty staggering for its honesty. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. It's just, it's just gone. I was at a memorial service this last week. And I know that this minister was doing his absolute best. I know that he believes in salvation through Christ, but it was so draped in religious language. There is no way that any person that was kind of wondering about heaven or wondering about God or wondering about the teachings of Jesus, there's no way they found anything helpful in what, in what he said. It was just snatched away. It was just, it was just gone. and the deceitfulness of wealth. And by that, he means all the false comforts of this world. Choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, folks, just do the math. Jesus is saying that his teaching he is the sower. He's already named that. Right. I'm the sower and the seed is the word of God. He says, yeah, mm, one in four. Yeah. 25% of his own teaching, his own book. <laughs> <laughs> okay? He's a realist mm-hmm. in everything he says and does. Jesus is an mm-hmm. absolute realist. So I've just been talking about living living towards the end of the war, the decreation that we see in the world, and the reality of if, if you Do not choose to find a life that is deeply sustaining because of your rich, rich, partnership with Jesus, your joy in it, your affection, all the new things he's teaching you, all the cool stuff he's showing you, your growing understanding of the kingdom, which is what Dallas was urging us, like teach them about the kingdom. There's this whole wonderful, all kinds of stuff to learn. How do angels work? Can you call on them? Have you ever seen one? Do they show up? All this stuff about the kingdom. Okay. So that's why. That was that was my long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that answer. That's a great answer. And and we need it. We need it. You know, it, if we think after one podcast, we've got it, it's going to be the seed that just stays in shallow ground and doesn't go anywhere. Like, we've got to go deeper in this. So thank you for giving us a multi-part series where we can go deeper.
0: Okay. So on the Captivated podcast, so Stacy has a podcast that she does and- for the most part, it's, it's by women for women, but it's rich and beautiful. Um, so it's, it's available to everyone. But she and Jamie were on and they were talking about, Jamie was admitting, I couldn't even pick up resilient because I had to go back to get your life back. I had to go back to the earlier practices to restore my soul to the place that I could receive, I could be good soil and receive the seed of the message in the book of Resilient. So I appreciate the honesty, <laughs> right? <laughs> and here's a person who's like years in this message and not just in this message, but soul care and a beautiful life in God and counseling and trauma and healing and therapy and da you know? And she's like, I'm not there. I, I am dangerously rocky soil. I need to get out of that and get over into some good soil. So. Here's what we're going to do, gang. I just want to ask you a question, everybody. So we're in episode five. It's been a month uh, with Blaine and I. What's changed? Alan, you sat in the studio, thank you very much, producing the podcast through that entire series with Blaine. What lingers? What... What struck you? What lasts?
1: Yeah, for me, what lasts is just it was a deep conviction that even though I've tried to make my life less busy over the years, the last several years, that I'm still moving too fast. I've been at the world's pace more than I wanted to be. And I would somehow think it was okay because I was getting good stuff done. So, you know yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm stretched Then, But I do work at a ministry that's a healing ministry, and I am pouring into others and and in my personal life the same. And And I was really convicted that if I'm not careful, I am going to just have more emptiness than I want because I'm not nurturing the deeper places with God, the deeper union, even as I try to do good things. And so, John, that really stuck. And what it convinced me of is, and you've been talking about God at the epicenter for a long time. Yeah. God has to be at the epicenter.
0: Protect the epicenter.
1: Protect it above all. And I've realized if I add anything else into that, it just without even being really consciously aware of it, like God plus this. Or it's it is God, but it's also this. This is this is right up there then I'm setting myself up for a fall because ultimately it's not a position that can be shared with anything or anyone else. It has to be God at the deepest place in my heart and his pace is generous and kind and life-giving. And so I've gone through the series and one by one looked at parts of my life and said, the calendar is, is too busy. I am I am going to make hard cuts and things that maybe bring me life on one level, but also exhaust me on another level. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow the calendar down. Mm. I'm gonna slow my rhythm down to a healthier rhythm. And what's been interesting is in the last month since the series has been on, I have read about a book a week. And I would say before that, it was probably. A book a month that I would actually get through, hmm. maybe, because I'd, I'd get into bed and have the book on my nightstand and I'd get through five pages, maybe. And you get a 250 page book. <laughs> That's a long term project, five pages at a time. And so I've opened up the spaciousness for deeper waters. I just finished a book by C.S. Lewis. It's just, it's been great. I feel like I am more present to what matters. You've done, you've taken us through exercises as a team like listening to ocean music, the the waves, yeah. the crickets last week. Yes. Um, those kind of things are so helpful for me because it just gets my body set at a different rhythm. Yes. So that's what's been helpful for me through this series.
0: Right on. Okay. Okay. So folks, in our wrap up here, we needed to partly give you the why. I needed to come back to the why, but I also want to come back to the nuts and bolts. So what do we mean? Well, Alan just described a lot of what he means. You look at your calendar and you say, where are my evenings every week that I or we are home and we are not engaged in pouring out activities? We're engaged in receiving activities. Where are those evenings? There needs to be at least two a week. And I mean, this is how crazy the world is that I'm trying to convince you oh, please give your soul two, but go ahead and burn yourself out in the other five. <laughs> right. You know, run like a crazy person. But I was going to say but, two. Yeah, but we have to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere. So we're going to do an exercise here in, in just a moment together. But the kind of categories that we're talking about there's subtraction and there's communion. Okay, there's, there's things that you begin to subtract from your life because they're exhausting or they're traumatizing to the degree that you can. We understand. I mean, you know, you've got kids in school or you've got a, a high needs child or you have a, an ill spouse. Honey, we get it, gang. We get it. This isn't more pressure. We're trying to help. So part of it is what goes. In the category of some things that probably need to go. One is your current pace of life. Just simply the pace that you're living at, which is what Alan was describing. Where can you begin to slow down the pace of life? You're subtracting so that you can get to communion, nourishment, love, life, attachment to God, rootedness. I would say media is a really big category that you need to look at, gang. And it's not just, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to get off social media or whatever. But the number of times that mature Jesus followers have recommended something to me, hey, have you seen the the movie, da-da-da, or, oh, we're watching this new new series on television. It's really cool. It's a historical thing, da-da-da, you know, and I'll go check it out. And I can't take it. I'm shocked at the level of violence that we just assume. Well, well, okay, yeah, some people get kind of shot up, and it is, yeah, no, it is, it is a little bloody, but it's really good because the, the morals or the character goes through this transformation. I'm like, I, I literally can't watch that, or the level of sexual imagery or evocative, and I, I'm not referring to the pornography. I'm just saying I, I should not watch other people making love. That's not okay. Okay, that's not good for the soul, right? Those, those compartments in your soul, that arousal is reserved for your spouse. And so just looking at your media choices, the, the amount of adrenaline, violence, traumatizing, the, the, the sexual stuff, like the darkness, um, that'd be a good thing of stuff that probably needs to go.
1: Including music. Right, like sometimes you'll be in your truck or somewhere with, you know, your AirPods on and you're singing a song or listening to something and you think, I would never have somebody in my home singing these lyrics okay. out loud. Okay, okay,
0: okay, okay. So, wild story. So, several years ago, Morgan, Luke, my son, and I were climbing the North Buttress. Of a fourteener here in Colorado, and it was Luke's vision quest year, and it was one of the things that I had done with each of my sons as part of their, you know, um, you know, kind of initiation year. Uh, we climbed a really gnarly peak, and we are we get into a really bad situation, and it's it's crumbling rock, it's really deteriorating rock, and it starts raining, and then it starts lightning, and the Bruce Springsteen song starts going through my mind. The lyrics, hey, everybody dies, baby, that's a fact. But maybe some things that die, baby, one day come back. And it's going through my head as I'm leading this climb and I'm looking for this route. And I'm like, John, do you hear the media playing in your head right now? Like, this is not good, Whoa. buddy. Yes. So there, there you go. There are things that need to go. Pace of life, how you spend your evenings in particular, the type of media you consume, not just how much media you consume. And then, Alan, I noticed something really fascinating. I will text you about, like, this day, today, I texted you this morning saying, hey, we need to change the recording time. And, yeah. and I, won't, I won't hear back from you till, like, 9. And I'm curious. It's delightfully irritating. <laughs> I'm very yeah. proud of you. Okay. Because I don't hear back from you, and I realized, oh, Alan's got some sort of rule or rhythm, or or he's got some sort of boundary set here. What's your deal? Oh, it's
1: totally your fault, because you're the one that has <laughs> said in the morning, don't reach for your phone first thing. And I've just expanded the first thing to mean the first couple of hours. If I can do that on a weekday, sometimes I can't. But more times than not, John, it's become such a part of my rhythm and habit now in a good way that I, many days, will forget my phone and have to turn back a, a mile or two on my drive to the outpost, turn back and go get it because I haven't reached for it, haven't thought about it, don't like it in general. I don't care for you know iPhones uh, or any kind of phone because it takes too much time away from life. And so... A lot of times, yeah, I won't look at my phone until 9 a.m. And just last weekend, Kelly and I had a conversation because a friend was trying to coordinate something with us. It was a Saturday. And so she gets a text around 12.30. Hey, I didn't hear back from Alan, so we'll just punt and we'll just figure this out some other weekend. And she's like, did you, did you get a text? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't even picked up my phone yet. And she's like, but it's like, Noon on a Saturday. And I'm like, I know. And she's like, But you, is it, don't you want to be reachable? And I'm like, No, I don't. So it has become a new part of my life.
0: Alan, well done. I I accept the inconvenience that that is for (laughs) me. I accept that. And and I was cracking up because I, even this morning, I was laughing. I'm like, You're not going to hear back from him, John. And you're irritated, and you taught him this. Like, this is what we're preaching. Okay, yeah. So your phone, your relationship to your phone. And trying to make the phone less
1: usable, even if, like, say that we were going to lunch, and you stepped away to get a refill on your drink. Well, everything in me always—the first thing I would do would be to pick up my phone because I've got two minutes here. I can't just sit here. Yeah. Right? So I've taken off— apps on my phone. I've taken off email. I've taken off the internet. And so I basically now have a phone that I can text and get directions and take some pictures with and and use as a phone to call somebody. But I've made it as unsexy, as unusable, as distraction-free as I can. And that has changed my relationship with downtime because now there's no reason to reach for the phone. I don't need to see what the temperature is right yes. now. I don't need directions. Yeah, and so John, that has given me so much of my life back because I no longer look to the screen to fill space in my day. And um, and you've been a big part. Of, you've been a big part of that. So
0: well done, buddy. Yeah. Well done. That's beautiful. So what we're giving is examples of things that need to go subtraction in your life, events, commitments. Those things build into the pace of life. How many, how many things are you committed to in, as part of your weekly or monthly rhythm? Assumptions about, oh, we have to go to that family reunion. No, we have to go to small group. Like These are the things you actually can go back and talk to Jesus about and go, really? Really? It may not be a given, given what you do need, which is a more reasonable pace of life and breathing room to commune. And then there's things that you begin to add. Because, again, I really want to shout this out. A friend of mine sent me an article a couple of weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal about the wellness movement. Um, And it's totally secular. And he said, man... It's so seductive. The wellness movement is really big right now, like the number of yoga studios, the number of apps and articles and things on mindfulness, the, 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 you, know, the natural right. health, the whole foods eating, the, you know, well, all that's really, really big, the wellness movement. But gang, it's the kingdom without the king, hmm. if it's not rooted in Jesus. This isn't just about having a cooler life. Wow, Alan, he's such a laid back guy. Right. That's not the point. No. It's, wow, Alan really exudes Jesus because he's rooted in Jesus. That's the difference. And and I was trying to shout out earlier in the resilience series that the hope of biblical resilience is this isn't your effort, God wants to impart. So much to us of his life, of his kingdom, of uh, yes, the restoration of the soul through our attachment with him. Mm. So we're not just talking about well-being, folks. The the ad, now that you've cleared margin in yes. your life, the ad is: what are the things you do on a daily basis? Daniel stopped to pray three times a day, the scripture says, as was his habit. What are the things you do morning, noon, and night to enjoy more of God, experience more of his actual presence inside your being, grow deeper into the ways of his kingdom? So what's the ad? Yeah. you know. And so we put out 30 days to resilience going, look, this will be a really helpful ad, folks. Mm-hmm. Like this will get you going. So I wanna do... A couple exercises right now. You can do this in the car if you're driving along. It's okay. You can do this if you're at the gym and you've got your headphones in. You can do this. You might want to come back to it when you have a, hmm. a, a you know, a pad of paper or your journal. But you can do this right now. It's be really, really simple. We're going to all experience again the life of God with us right now. So Jesus, come and speak to us. We are your people. Your people hear your voice. That's a very, very simple and natural part of the biblical narrative. This is one of the simple, simple things of the kingdom. We hear your voice. And what we wanna do is ask you a few questions, Lord. So Jesus, the first thing I want to ask you, Lord, what about my life is unsustainable. As you look at my life, Jesus, as we talk about my life together, what about my life is unsustainable? And friends, we're going to linger with this for a moment. But the reason I use such an open-ended question is he may talk to you about the pace of life. He may talk to you about a current small group commitment or something like that, he may may talk to you about something completely else, a relationship that's unsustainable. So we're just going to linger and ask you, Jesus, what about my life, Lord, is unsustainable? Okay, Jesus, I I want to make these things really, really applicable today. So what I want to ask you, Lord, is can you name a couple of things in my life that, you know, I am able to let go of? I'm able to cut out of my life or lay down or get out of those commitments. Jesus, what needs to go? Name a couple things right now that for my new rule of life, they won't be a part of it anymore. Okay, gang, just one more question for today. Two things, Jesus, two things that I can start doing. I want you to name name two things for me, Lord, that I may not have considered or that you showed me a couple weeks ago and I've already forgotten. Please bring it back to me. Jesus, just name two things that I can begin to do that will deepen my life in you, that will send roots down into you that will allow us to be more one Okay, gang, I think that's enough for today. I think that's enough for a soul. Um, As you begin to tune into your soul, it will really instruct you on, okay, that's enough now. Like That's enough for a soul. And we're going to transition next week into some new things. But as we leave this, Alan, what are you hoping for people?
1: John, I hope that they will find just one or two or three things that they can change in a healthy way in their lives in terms of the rhythm, their rule of life, doesn't need to be complicated. In fact, if it is, it won't work, it yeah. won't It won't last. Two or three simple things that they can go forward with long after the series is over that will change how they live each day.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful because changing a lifestyle is something that takes place over time, not immediately. And so we're trying to be gracious with this at the same time recognizing you're living at a moment of massive decreation in the enemy's campaign against humanity. So my goodness, let's be smart, folks. Let's let's find a deeper life in God.